what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and as of Monday night, it is 11.47 p.m., so in 13 minutes, the Bay Area, uh, notably six counties in the Bay Area, will go under a soft quarantine, a.k.a. shelter at place of residence. We out here up in Berkeley, so I thought it would be a great time to do a pod. Because, yeah, um, in terms of social distancing and doing what you can amidst the coronavirus, I feel like every day has gotten progressively, progressively worse. (laughs) I kid you not. So from like last Wednesday when the NBA got canceled, I used to play ball on my Wednesday nights. So literally like half an hour before tip-off for my basketball game, the NBA had determined that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for the coronavirus. And just like that, the season was suspended. But forthcoming after that, March Madness was suspended. Um, MLB looks like it's suspended. NHL, they suspended their season. And so from there, um, Trump announcing to the country that this coronavirus ordeal is a national emergency. It's a pandemic. Yeah, man, uh, we are up to Monday night and the Bay Area is taking measures into their own hands with a soft quarantine in which, you know, um, you can go about your business for really important things like getting groceries, going to the doctor, um, stuff like that. But for the most part, you should be working from home, which makes it tough for those that are in the blue collar industry, you know, service oriented uh, professionals uh, puts them at a bind. You know, think about those people that you know. Even for uh, let's go, go going back to the NBA. I mean, people that work concessions, people that work um, in nightclubs and bars, and you know, other small business establishments. Yeah, that gets shut out the window. Uh, things are going to get real tough in the next couple weeks, maybe the next couple months. I, I really hope not, but. Yeah, man, I thought that if there was ever a time to do a pod, now would be the time. And to your point about, you know, delays and whatnot that's going in within uh, professional sports, well, the NFL, the National Football League, has got you covered for off-season news and stuff to keep you going on because uh, today is Monday. The official calendar year for the NFL 2020 season starts on Wednesday. Um, on March 18th. And so this Monday, a.k.a. today, was the official allowance of, I guess, the unofficial tampering period where players and agents and and teams can talk to one another and talk shop. And already the NFC West has made headlines in the NFL offseason. I kid you not, like every single team in the NFC West, whether you're – San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams. Everyone made some movement uh, along my Twitter timeline, at least. It started like Monday morning, and I, I swear, I, I don't know if it's, I'm just biased or whatever, but all the action seems to come in the division that I cover, which is the NFC West, just the West, because there were two notable trades to start 
your Monday off season. It's unofficial uh, until it gets onto Wednesday, but it's pretty much set in stone. Okay, you have arguably the NFL's best wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, aka Nuck of the Houston Texans. And this is a huge, huge, huge blockbuster trade. Uh, Let's get right into it. DeAndre Hopkins gets traded to the Arizona Cardinals along with the Texans' fourth-round pick. So check this out. The Cardinals receive DeAndre Hopkins, a fourth-round pick. What do they give up for one of the game's best receivers, an exceptional player at its position, and uh, a player that is in his prime at 27 years old? Uh, what do they give up for for this uh, for this receiver of his services? And so they, they actually, well, just take it for what it is. Here's what they gave up. They gave up David Johnson, former running back for the Cardinals, who, um, you know, they gave him a contract earlier. I believe, don't quote me on this, it was like three years, $40 million. But, um, you know, going into this season, like, you know, he hadn't lived up to his contract. He had a couple injuries. They traded for Kenyon Drake. And so he looked replaceable anyways. And so he was a bit of a salary dump, if you think about it. Uh, he was owed $20 million in guaranteed money the next two seasons. And so, you know, you would think at first that, you know, the Cardinals would actually give him to the the Texans and they would actually receive maybe some draft compensation to taking in a bad contract. But no, uh, the Cardinals somehow swindled the Texans to get arguably one of the better, if not the best receiver in the NFL. In DeAndre freaking Hopkins, and they got a fourth-round pick. But, yeah, they... So they gave up David Johnson, a second-round pick, and a fourth-round pick to receive DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick. And so the price that they got to get one of the best receivers in the league, in his, in his prime, mind you, at age 27, they gave up a running back that they weren't planning to retain anyways, who is, you know, for, for, for many people, myself included, was under a bad contract uh, for $20 million in a position that wasn't really of high need in terms of the market. Um, running backs are very much replaceable, especially uh, a running back like David Johnson up to this point. Um, he's been injured. He's been inconsistent. Um, you, you can actually make a case that ever since he got his contract extension that he's been kind of shying away from contact, um, that his play has been compromised after getting the big bucks. But uh, that's not here nor there. Um, but they gave up David Johnson, they gave up a second-round pick, and they gave up a fourth-round pick uh, to get DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick. Now, if you think about just the the caliber of receiver uh, that has been kind of traded in the past, the last couple seasons, I mean, um, typically if you trade for someone of DeAndre Hopkins' caliber— top three, top five receiver, if not the best receiver right now in the game. You can make a case for Odell Beckham Jr., don't get me wrong. But uh, even then, uh, let's look at the last two major trades uh, that happened last offseason. It was uh, Odell Beckham Jr. They got a first-round pick and then some. And it was Amari Cooper, and that was a first-round pick as well. And so you're telling me that you're going to trade DeAndre Hopkins Houston, Texas, you're going you're gonna to tell me going to trade DeAndre Hopkins, who is by far Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, by by far their best weapon to connect for your young and up-and-coming quarterback. And you trade him 
to the Cardinals for, I don't know, peanuts on the dollar, pennies on the dollar, second round pick, fourth round pick, and a shitty running back. Well, not a shitty running back, but a running back under a shitty contract. I mean, that is considering that the Texans had traded last offseason for Laramie Tunsil with multiple first rounders. Um, it just it just doesn't bode well for this franchise in terms of what they're getting, um, what they're giving up, and what they're re- receiving. I guess when you go apples to apples on that, they're they're not really. It's, it doesn't really make sense, it, it, in my opinion. So it's very. It seems like a lot of their moves are very short sighted. Uh, but conversely, like for, for the Cardinals, I mean, why do they make this move? Well, I mean to get. A receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, like for his caliber, from what I understand too, they're trading for him and DeAndre Hopkins is going to negotiate for a bigger deal. He wants to get more money. He wants to get paid uh, at market value. And that's totally understandable since they just traded for him. I'm pretty sure they're going to keep him. So he's going to get paid uh, astronomically, but at the same time too. I think we saw a lot of promise from Kyler Murray. I think we saw a lot of promise from Cliff Kingsbury in this offense for the Cardinals in year one of the Kingsbury-Murray era. Um, So much where they had five wins last season, and you can make a case that they could be potential playoff contenders in year two of the rebuild. And the reason why I say that was Kyler Murray's development went A-OK. Very smooth, good deep balls. Um... You know, maybe taking a little too much hits or, you know, the decision making has got to improve. But on paper, I'm just just here with me on paper. You have DeAndre Hawkins as your number one receiver. You have Christian Kirk as your outside receiver to put defenses over the top with his speed. And then last but not least, you have a savvy veteran in Larry Fitzgerald in the slots. Uh, that is awesome, man. I I think you can make a case that that can compete with, you know, maybe the Bucks with uh Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But it it is a really good wide receiver corps right there in terms of depth. And keep in mind they have the Keyshawn Johnson. They have a couple other guys, uh, Akeem Butler, um, you know, Andy Isabella, some other young up up and comers who should improve in their sophomore seasons. Um, but overall, man, I mean, it just shows that the Cardinals feel that now is the time to buy, that they've seen enough promise out of their quarterback and they want to take advantage of Kyler Murray with his rookie deal, uh, before they pay him, because I think they are committed to Kyler Murray up to this point. They've seen enough out of Kyler Murray so much where they can trade a second rounder, a fourth rounder, and yeah, kind of, I won't say go all in, but be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that the Cardinals have roughly what, uh, don't quote me on this, $30, $35 million in cap space. I think that from this acquisition with DeAndre Hopkins, you can see them trying to pry a couple of other veterans that want to get on this movement, that want to play with DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, this fun offense. Um, Obviously, they have a lot to do on the defense, but it seems like this might be a team... That's going to be intriguing sooner than later. So that's that's all I got to say for, for the Cardinals. Good job for the Cardinals for orchestrating this trade. And shame on you, Texans, for doing another short-sighted trade. 
in the grand scheme of things because, I mean, when you think of DeAndre Hopkins, maybe you might not agree with keeping him long-term on that contract. Uh, maybe that's kind of like the Patriots way in terms of that sort of you know mindset of you know trading them while they're good and, and all that. But at the same time, too, I just don't feel that they got the right necessary uh, haul that you can get in for that sort of player. And that makes it really hard to develop when you consider what you gave up for certain other players and when you give up your players, what you get in return. That's a little problematic, and that's all i got to say about the Texans. Conversely, let's go ahead and go on and talk about the next blockbuster trade. And maybe it's not as flashy, but for the San Francisco 49ers, for the San Francisco 49ers who are coming off a Super Bowl loss, um, yeah, man, this this is huge for them, especially for their defensive line. Mind you that the Niners, a big portion of why they got to the Super Bowl was because of the, their successful defensive line. And that defensive line consisted of Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, and D. Ford. Now guess what? Out of those four starters, um, two of them had moves okay now i'll go ahead and start with one eric armstead who was a impending free agent and there was a lot of rumors about him whether he was going to be retained um, he's coming off a career year with 10 and a half sacks uh, he can play inside he can play out along the defensive line very versatile uh, where you can push him on you know you can push him either way depending on on the on the down and so he is, um, he was due for some money and there were rumors that maybe they'll, they'll tag him and kind of similar to what D Ford with the Chiefs did with the Niners where they would tag him and then later trade him for a second round pick and, and move on with that. Um, there were rumors that they'd sign about right to a, a longer term deal. And then there were also rumors that, Hey, maybe, um, maybe they just trade him straight up. Or let him let him walk, and get um, you know a draft co- compensation pick. If they let him go in free agency and he was acquired by another team in free agency, I think the Niners would have acquired uh, a third round, fourth round pick, something along those lines. So what did the Niners do? Uh, the Niners. It seemed like throughout this entire process, uh, there was a lot of feedback. Even Armstead. Um, wanting to be with the Niners, saying he wouldn't mind if he got franchised, and it seemed like the Niners really wanted to make this deal work. And so they did. They did. They pretty much gave Eric Armstead a D Ford deal, okay? D Ford last year got five years in 85, and that's essentially what Eric Armstead got. He got, you know, it's reportedly uh, five years, 85. I'm also hearing reports that it might be a six-year deal. Uh, but give and take, it seems like he's going to get paid, you know, on average seventeen million dollars a season for five years. And mind you, you know, Armstead right now he's in the peak of his career. Uh, he is twenty six years old, so this is a good time um, for him to cash in. And I'm glad that he can cash in with the Niners. It is right at the market value. Um, some people are surprised that they were able to retain him for someone's money. At 17 million, but it makes a little bit more sense when you see what happened thereafter. Okay, so the Niners they they re-signed Eric Armstead to five years, 85 at 17 mil per. You know, right there with the market for defensive ends. 
Um, Sus defensive tackles, I guess, because he does a little bit of both. Um, But lo and behold, why were they able to retain Eric Armstead? Well, with one reaction, one way, the Niners adjusted accordingly to their defensive tackle, which is DeForest Buckner. Now, DeForest Buckner, he was not due money right away because he had a, he had still like another year left on his contract. But there were talks, you know, with him and George Kittle that they wanted long-term deals. Um, and apparently right now, Rivers reported from uh, DeForest Buckner's agent that, you know, he wanted Aaron Donald money. And so it became quite apparent that, hey, for the Niners, they had two decisions. Who are you going to roll with? DeForest Buckner? who wants a deal, or Eric Armstead, who wants a deal as well. And so it looks like, um, yeah, they chose Armstead. But here's the context of it all, okay? So DeForest Buckner wanted Aaron Donald money. They couldn't put their foot on that and sign the checks for an Aaron Donald $22 million sort of ordeal. So what they did was they traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts for, wait for it, a first round pick, a first round pick, thirteenth overall, and I kid you not, uh, it is right after the Las Vegas Raiders, and it's just it's just so fitting. It seems like the Raiders and the Niners they're always so intertwined in the NFL draft. Um, you know, last year it was Nick Bosa and Cleveland Farrell. Uh, the year before it was Colton Miller and Mike McGlinchey. But I even go back to like DHB and Michael Crabtree. But once again, the Niners get a. Pretty top-heavy pick, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. And so they do that, uh, but in effect, they, they trade arguably one of their better players on the defense, DeForest Buckner, uh, a reliable, super reliable defensive player, seventh overall out of Oregon, in which I believe he only missed one game throughout this entire duration with the Niners. Um, super durable, uh, one of the better defensive players in the league. Um, but yeah, man, he was traded to the Colts and it's reported that the Colts are going to give him, wait for it. If Aaron Donald's getting $22 million, how much is DeForest Buckner? He is getting $21 million a season, $21 million a season for, for about five years as well. And so that is the trickle down effect. So the Niners, at first, I was a little, not going to lie, I was feeling some sort of way. I was a little pissed off. I'm like, why the fuck would you trade the Forrest Buckner? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But, you know, the more I think about it, the more, you know, when I take a step back and look into the eyes of a general manager, if I'm John Lynch, why did I do this move? Okay. You know, for the Cardinals, it's pretty apparent why they made the move to get DeAndre Hopkins but for this I mean they really had to give like a marquee player to get this first round pick and there's a trickle down effect with this why did they do this okay um you know now the Niners have two first round picks they had the 13th overall pick they had the 31st overall pick and so you know for a class that is wide receiver heavy uh, a class that has defensive tackles a class that has a couple of things to to really contribute for the Niners needs uh, that gives them a lot more ammunition to move up or down in the draft because when you consider that uh, outside of those two first rounders they don't draft until the fifth round okay so they have two first rounders blah 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 fifth round 
I have a feeling that they might move up or down, but they're going to make some movement. They have some more ammunition to make a move, especially in a class that is supposed to be wide receiver intensive. Okay, that is an interesting piece for them moving forward. And uh, the other caveat, too, is, you know, if you're not going to pay DeForest Buckner $21 million, I mean, between the two, let's just say, you know, you had to decide between trading one or the other, um, between Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Obviously, DeForest Buckner, it hurts more because he's such, I won't say he's just more valuable, but he, you know, he's more durable. He's, you know, he... He's the heart and soul of the locker room, at least. And they chose to trade him because he gives the most value. I mean, no kidding. I mean, that's why the Colts gave up their 13th overall pick to get someone of DeForest Buckner's caliber. And I have nothing but great things to say about DeForest Buckner. And, you know, having said that, when you can trade a defensive tackle for a first-round pick, I mean, that's a pretty good get, man, okay? He was the seventh overall pick. He played four seasons of productive football for the Niners under the rookie contract, and then they flipped him for a first-round pick a couple slots after. You know, it, it hurts because he was a fan favorite with the Niners, but at the same time, too, um, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for the Niners who are pressing on their cap um, in which they want to retain Armstead. They want to re-sign um, or they don't want to resign. They want to extend George Kittle to a bigger contract. And they still, couple, they still have a couple other players that they like to do. And so I believe with this move, they I think they got an extra, what, $10, $12 million in salary cap. So they'll have around 20-ish million dollars instead of 14. Um, they'll have about 20 million ish dollars to play with. And that is something where, you know, they can make a couple moves with it. And they already did it thereafter. Um, earlier this night, they made the announcement that Jimmy Ward, their free safety, they're off injured free safety, but, um, their safety that they invested a first round pick with who finally was healthy, had a very strong, strong 2019 season, but they, uh, retained him. Um, Jimmy Ward last year was getting about one year, four and a half million dollars on a, on a proven deal, uh, after his rookie contract. And so, you know, it shows that they really valued what, what he, what he did. He was, I mean, for Christ's sake, the Niners, uh, stood with him while other teams would have maybe cut baits and let loose with them after all those injuries. But he finally put it together. He had a very productive season last year. And so they gave him a three-year, $28.5 million contract. Okay? That's, you know, roughly $9 million a season. And, you know, I, I talked to a couple friends about this before I did this pod. I mean, you know, last year he got four and a half on a pretty good prove a deal, and he proved his worth. Um, but not nine million, not nine and a half seasons is a little high. Um I thought that the Niners would have allowed him to test the market a little bit more and then circle back on him with a contract. But it's interesting is how immediately, you know, the first day that you can talk to players and their agents, they immediately locked up Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward. Good for them. Jimmy Ward, you know, uh, I know he's had an up and down career as a Niner, 
But at the same time, too, um, you know, good for him for sticking through, for them to commit to him as the free safety. And he really excelled because I know in years past, he bounced around from nickelback to outside corner to pretty much everything uh, in the backfield. And that wasn't good for his development, but it seems like he finally honed down on the free safety position. So, um, you know, is it a little rich at nine, nine and a half million dollars? Yeah, sure. Uh, but it seems like they're really well vested in this guy. What I will say, though, on the flip side about this is he has never really been healthy. Uh, last year, you could say that last year is the year you finally put it together. Or you could say that, hey, man, last year was an outlier that he's probably going to get hurt again. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so we talked about the Cardinals, we talked about the Niners. Let's talk briefly about the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks, and you know, they didn't make waves like the Niners or the Cardinals did. But, you know, there is a bit of a trickle-down effect where I will be curious to see what goes down in the next couple of days to see what they're going to do um, to bolster their, their pass rush. Because for the Seahawks team, there's a couple of things that they really need to improve on. One is obviously protecting their quarterback and Russell Wilson with the offensive line. And the second is you got to get pass rushers to get to the opposing quarterback. And those two departments are certainly uh, lacking right now. Certainly lacking. But we'll we'll see what happens because, I mean, um, conversely, they did retain someone. Uh, Jerron Reed. Defensive tackle, uh, defensive end. No, not defensive tackle. Um, Two-year, $23 million deal. He's 27 years old. So it's a nice short-term deal for him to get paid uh, pretty good money at around $11 million a season. And then he could slowly test the waters again when he's 29 and still you know, more than capable of producing for teams. And it's a good deal for, for both sides. Uh, you know, one for the Seahawks when you consider that they lost David Clowney, that they need to retain some form of talent in terms of pass rushing. Um, but then, you know, for Jerron Reed as well, I know he wanted more money in, uh, given what he did in the 2018 season. Um, that 2018 season, I believe he had like what I think he had right, right around 10 sacks. He really bolstered himself and looked to get paid uh, in the oncoming seasons for this moment. But it sucks though because. Uh, what Jerron Reed did last year was, well, he played 10 games and he was suspended for six games. Uh, yeah, not the best way under a contract year. He was suspended for six games. And instead of, you know, the 10 sacks he did in 2018, um, in 2019, he had about two and a half sacks. And, you know, he's he's a defensive tackle, uh, a pass rushing sort of defensive tackle. Um well, not, actually, not necessarily pass rushing. He does offer versatility both in the run game and passing downs as well. But, you know, I, I know that he wanted more money and he probably gauged the market considering that he didn't have the best stats. And I think he had some injuries as well last season. Uh, this is kind of like his medium of a prove a deal slash, you know, committing to get some form of money. So, I mean, that's an interesting deal, and it's a win-win for both sides. You know, for the Seahawks' part, you know, you hope that Jerron Reed lives up to that deal and justifies the $11 million because, I mean, he showed a lot of promise in 2018, and then just injuries and suspension happen, like should happen for him, um, but enough for them to, to retain him and, and see if he can 
continue to, to be productive from the numbers that you saw in 2018. Uh, another player that was lost amongst uh, the flurry of free agency, and I, I'm not too surprised too, uh, George Fant, left tackle, former tight end, uh, for the uh, for the Seahawks, I mean, he wasn't even their, their best tackle per se, uh, but he was an up and comer, good for depth, and he finally got um, and good for him. He got starting left tackle money. It's about three years, thirty million dollars, so ten million dollars a season. Uh, he goes to the New York Jets, and you know, as much as I would have liked to have retained him for for depth, considering that the Seahawks need depth at all spots on the uh, offensive line. Um, I get it. I mean, they already have Dwayne Brown, and they were already trying to, you know, there's another free agent they have in Jermaine Fetty, their right tackle, where I'd want to spend the money over there. So it was going to happen. It was going to go happen. Uh, best of luck, George Fant, to the New York Jets. Lastly, uh, and who, who can forget those Los Angeles Rams? Nothing Bad happened per se for the Rams. I mean, no big blockbuster trades. I didn't hear any big signings for the Rams. You know, given it's only Monday right now, so there's plenty of time. But it does make me feel some sort of way, though, because just a couple years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley was, you know, Todd Gurling. And ever since that Super Bowl, I mean, Todd Gurley and his draft stock is, is plummeted. Uh, just to be quite honest, I mean, last year he had an okay season, but um, everyone's, myself included, has been asking about the workload for Todd Gurley. What's up with his knee? You know, can he take all the touches? You just paid him. Like, what's it to you, right? Well, you know, it's been reported right now that Todd Gurley, running back, you know, quote-unquote franchise running back for the Rams, uh, he is on the trade block. Uh, whether it's a second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, I don't know. But he is on the trade block, and yeah, it's just interesting to see how just a couple seasons ago he was on top of the world, and then just injuries and just the the brutality of this game in the NFL, especially for running backs, how it really um, you know hinders your stock. I mean, look at Todd Gurley, and look obviously at David Johnson, who was. Um, you know, at one point he was a top five back in fantasy football, at least for fantasy football perspective. But, you know, now he's on the Texans and now he's a bad contract. And it's looking like Todd Gurley is another bad contract. You know, injuries have derailed his ROI as well for the Rams. And uh, yeah, man, maybe Todd Gurley will be traded in the next couple of days. Maybe Todd Gurley, by the time I post this podcast, he will be traded by Tuesday morning. Lastly, uh, Michael Brockers, former first-round pick, defensive tackle. I mean, you know, he's always been a good um, sidekick to Aaron Donald after all these years. Uh, He's 29 years old, and he was a free agent as well. I had a feeling that the Rams wouldn't retain him anyways just because they have all these other needs and just their, their, their salary cap. But he did sign up with another team. He signed up with the Baltimore Ravens for a three-year, $30 million deal. And that's a solid deal for him. When you think about the sum of the pieces for the Baltimore Ravens, they are putting together a pretty solid team on the defense. Um, just think about it. They traded a fifth-round pick for Calias Campbell just earlier this week. They traded a 
um, a fifth round pick to get Marcus Peters last season with the Rams. And now they poached Michael Brockers in free agency. So it's starting to really come along for this Baltimore Ravens defense. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, but anywho, that's the initial thoughts on day one of, well, quote unquote, day one of the unofficial free agency period in the, in the NFL right now. Uh, let's just see what happens, what comes together tomorrow, Tuesday, because NFL free agency officially starts on Wednesday and, you know, amidst this coronavirus, uh, they haven't necessarily changed the NFL schedule. I know that they have postponed OTAs, you know, in terms of off-season training activities. Um, that is that has been compromised, but in terms of the NFL drafts, free agency, especially with the new CBA now signed, I think that is full steam ahead. But I will be intrigued to see how some of the draft coverage is going because I know that they're not going to have attendees coming like they usually do in years past. Uh, amidst the coronavirus and so you're gonna have the nfl draft you're gonna have free agency but in terms of physical activity and actual play you're not going to see that which is going to be kind of kooky uh it is 2020 and we are living in very interesting times right now very interesting times so before i uh conclude this podcast i just wanted to give a, a very positive shout out to, to one of my homies his name is james i i understand that um you know, someone very dear to him and his family is not doing too well during these difficult times. So I am bringing very positive vibes your way to you and your family, to you and your loved ones to be strong during this time. And um, just know that, you know, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, if you need someone to call and, and be out there for you, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to me. So I am sending a lot of positive vibes your way. Okay, James. Anyways, um, once again, thank you for checking out the podcast, whether it is on Spotify or iTunes. I'm also on Twitter, at Just the West, Instagram, at Just the West, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.